Well, here we are. I've got another 30 minutes of free time on the road. And so we're going to have a little chat here. I don't know what about. You can't pause it. You have to start a whole new segment. Hmm. I guess that's fine. <sighs> At least I don't have to give every segment a name. I thought I did. That's fine. This is pretty slick, this app. You know, there's some things I'd change, but for the most part, it's not bad. Anchor, good job. Doing great. Keep it up. Well, alright. What time is it? It's 4 o'clock. I'm going to be working all night because I had to run some errands today. So that's what I have to look forward to. I don't mind my job, it's pretty good. I wish I was better at it. I'm a programmer. Developer, right? That's programmers like, oh, you work with COBOL. No, I'm a developer. Okay. Fine. But I prefer the term bit plumber. I'm a bit plumber. I move bits around. You know, people make programming way more complicated than it needs to be, in my opinion way more complicated. It doesn't need to be so complicated. It's almost like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm being a dick. It's... It's like people don't have an overarching framework for what they're doing in programming, so they come up with all these different ways to look at it. But at the end of the day, all you're doing is moving information from one place to another and changing it as you go. That's it. I was an ETL developer for several years. And then it was glaringly obvious. ETL, you're literally extracting data from here, transforming it, and putting it over there. But every developer is always doing that. You're taking data from the database, you're conforming it to some view or something, and you're displaying it on the front end. Oh my god, so many big trucks around me right now. So when I think of, okay, well, what is development? What is programming? You know, my view is very simple it's everything is a function. Everything is a function to me. Everything is function. Uh, yeah, I, I use OOP, and I, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with all the concepts of types and all, you know, everything else you do with programming. But at, 
the end of the day, everything is either a function or where a function lives in my mind. And that's it. Now, it might be difficult to fit some concepts into that, like simplified, generalized version of, of what's going on here. Uh, like, for instance, where do you put streams? You know, I've been working in Dart recently. It's nice. And they, they're doing good stuff with streams. Streams? Rx Dart. Um, I gotta get away from this sound, man. That thing's loud. Anyway. Well, well, a stream is a function. I know, it's weird. <coughs> because we have this idea of, oh, well, functions are something you call, right? But, um, these parallel designs, you know, where you can have everything running in concurrently, not, not usually parallel, but concurrently. Um, you don't have to stick with the old paradigm of uh, a, dis, you know, a, a tree traversing uh, a DAG to do your computation. I mean, you do, because we're not quite there yet, but but this is why I really would love to deal with Erlang. I haven't had really any serious experience with that, or Elixir, right? Anyway. Everything's a function or a namespace. Everything. That's how I see it. You know, having a programming background makes me feel like, you know, when I talk to other people about certain topics, it makes me feel like, oh, I know how to read, and they don't. Uh, it just makes me feel more educated, right? I mean, but it seems like code or, you know, knowing how technology has to work is the new literacy. To me, that's what, it's, that's what it feels like. Because uh, people will talk about like a blockchain and they don't know how to interpret it. And they'll be like, oh, I, I, I don't know. You know. I mean, maybe they even know like, okay, I get it. It's a chain of blocks. I understand the consensus. Okay, I get it. All right, fine. That's how it works. But what, what the hell is it used for? You know, like, and you're like, oh, well, money, I guess, you know. Well, yeah, a blockchain is a protocol. Once you have a platform where you can have dis you can have distributed consensus, you can all know that you're all in agreement on something. You have to then start defining what that something is, and oh, whoa! All of a sudden, you come up with oh, we're we're creating a language, we're creating a, a protocol whereby we can talk about something. Let me give you a good example. Well, Bitcoin is a good example. What's the protocol? Well, the protocol is about talking about money. Well, a ledger, right? It's, it's a ledger. Right? So it's, a, it's literally just talking about, oh, we can now decide which address or which entity 
has what? Has uh, what amount of some arbitrary value? We can we can decide it because we all you know we can come to consensus on that. And then you have other things. I'm not going to jump all the way to Ethereum, but let's just jump to a uh, maybe a smaller jump. Let's let's look at something like Raven, Ravencoin. What's the protocol? Well, Ravencoin said, "Oh yeah, okay. Well, great. We can we can now have a protocol that talks about money, and we can all be in agreement about values per entity." There we go. Great. What if we wanted to uh, talk about other assets? What if we wanted to have multiple kinds of assets? Well, why don't we bake that into the lowest level of the protocol? And now we have uh, money squared, right? We can have, you can have multiple kinds of money without having to do something weird like color your coins or whatever, you know, without having to put a Band-Aid on it or build some extra structure that, you know, just build it into the base and make assets a fundamental, you know, a first-level citizen, just like the Bitcoin value token. Just, you can make any asset. So then what do you get? Well, then you get a namespacing system because you're like, oh, well, if, if we're going to have multiple kinds of uh, quote-unquote money, well, we're going to need uh, we're going to need namespace. We're going to need like, oh, well, okay, this money is called this, and this money is called that, and, and I can make my own token. That's great. And I can issue it, and now I need to be able to build a protocol around those behaviors of issuing it. And while we're on that topic, why don't we just build in some basic structure for uh, doing some, um, I don't know if you'd call it DeFi, but uh, let's say traditional finance behaviors such as uh, issuing a bunch of, maybe I want this token not to represent money per se, but a share in a company, right? Well, I, I can bake into the lowest level protocol how to talk about distributing shares, how to do that uh, appropriately, distribute them to certain people. And so I can bake all these, it's, you know, and then you get, and you, you're going along and you say, oh man, I can do some really cool shit with that. And then before you get there, somebody's like, oh shit, well, I'm just gonna mail it, I'm just gonna make Ethereum. Why don't we just generalize all this and we'll build a generalized computing structure on a blockchain. Great. Done. Ethereum. Now that's fine, and it, it's good. I mean, you need it. I mean, it, it's, it's very valuable, because you, you want to be able to do anything, right? You want to be able to have a protocol that can talk about anything. But what, what do you get with that? Well, it's kind of like the difference between GPU and CPU. Raven and Bitcoin, well, Bitcoin's kind of a dinosaur, so, you know, I don't, it doesn't really apply to Bitcoin, but, but some other things that are, you know, a little less, uh, more lightweight than Ethereum, than a generalized computing architecture. Um, they can be much more efficient, like a GPU. 
but they can't do everything that Ethereum can do. Their niche, they have a niche, they have a specific design, uh, a specific use case. But they're more efficient than the generalized computer. We want to do everything on the generalized computer. Sorry, I know, I'm ranting. I'm ranting about this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's that kind of, like, understanding of the nuance and the pros and cons and the benefits and, you know, that a lot of people, they're not into it, right? I mean, there's a lot of people, so a lot of people are into it and they know what they're talking about. But but a lot of lay people, when it comes to, like, uh, this new technology that we have, um, I just don't know how to navigate that. You know, the nuance of that kind of, those concerns. And so my thinking is, you know, I have been looking for this for a while, and I don't even know if it's possible, but my thinking is, man, it would sure would be great if you could somehow have an interop, a really slick interop coin or token or technology and this is about the limits of my understanding like I'm pretty good with all the basics but you know a lot of people are way beyond me so Uh, um, it would be great to have an interop between all these niche solutions that are efficient and fast and effective and really good at what they do and cheap um be really great to have a niche I'm sorry, an interop solution that could help these systems communicate with each other I feel like that is what is a huge huge piece sorry, (laughs) excuse me just a moment I feel like that is a huge piece maybe I can pause it actually, I have to check that out Um, a huge piece of what's missing in the blockchain ecosystem and maybe it can't be done. You know, maybe... I don't know how it could be done. Because this interop system would have to, like, be distributed, yet own keys, you know? Like, to me, it's like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know how it could be done. I think you'd have to give trust. Maybe you could have an interop system that has trust and, you know, or you're trusting a um, centralized party. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you could do it, but I think that would be great. Then you could get uh, the... um, You you could, in, in effect, leverage all these efficient solutions... And not have to have a generalized computing architecture. You get a generalized computing architecture um, through the glue between all these systems. I, I think that would be fantastic. I don't know if it's possible to make, but it seems like that's what's missing. It's either, oh, I'm, I'm in an ecosystem where um, I'm just in Rayman coin or something like that. Or I'm on a generalized computing architecture where technically, yeah, I could write some really complicated um, 
what is it called? Sorry, smart contracts. And and I could technically kind of do whatever I wanted, but it's going to be it's going to cost me a lot of money to execute those contracts, you know, and to get them written. You got to write them the right way. If your stuff is built in, like you've got some finance functions, if it's built into the protocol, like in Raven kind of, and, and other solutions even more, if it's built in there, you, you don't have to worry about it messing up. You know, you don't have to worry about, oh, there's a back door here, there's a mistake, there's a glitch. It's in the f- uh, fundamental protocol level. You know, this is the same thing everybody uses. It's vetted. It's like, you don't have a lot of these issues that you have with generalized computing architectures. You know, but it's fun. It's fun to watch how this is all playing out. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to play out. It's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. But you know what's crazy? The patent that Hashgraph owns. That's what's crazy to me. And what's also crazy to me is we figured out... (laughs) We figured out how to make... We figured out a way to make distributed consensus. Consensus where you have a whole bunch of unknown actors. Everybody can be kind of anonymous. You know, the miners can just be miners. Anybody can join... You have no no centralized part. We figured that out before we figured out the most efficient way to come to distributed consensus uh, in a centralized system. That's so bizarre to me. That's really weird. I mean, we were close with like things like Raft and all that. We had algorithms that were good enough, but we didn't have the centralized... Well, I I shouldn't say centralized. I should actually say uh, permissioned. We didn't have the permissioned. So there's, you know, there's less of a constraint. There's less constraints when you have a permissioned network. You say, okay, look. Here are my nodes that are allowed to speak, okay? And we can come to consensus. We figured out, well, Satoshi Nakamoto figured out how to make unpermissioned. Anybody can talk, and we'll still come to consensus. He figured that out first. You know, that's just so weird to me. It's like, wow, how'd you do that? You know, or why? Why are we so stupid that we didn't figure figure out the permissioned way? It was just a mathematical question. It was just, and and now Hedera has a monopoly on how to speak to one another. I mean, it's so weird. It's so weird. I don't I don't know what to think about this patent system that says. Oh, no, Hedera is the only one that can talk like that. Oh, you want to talk amongst your yourself? You can't. No, you can't run that protocol. No, no, can't do it. It's a little bizarre. It's a little bizarre. 
well, I mean, who says the government should be able to say that? Okay, well, here's, here's how I draw the line. I don't know if this is how everybody should draw the line. I, I do think it is, but I don't know that it is. Here, here's, here's my thing. Okay. I worked at an insurance company for a while, and uh, before that, I was quite the anarchist. And, you know, I kind of backed off that. Once you're in a label, you know you're wrong. If you, got, if you can label what you, you know, you're wrong. Period. <laughs> if you got a label, you're wrong. I mean, you might be more right than somebody else's label, but more right is just less wrong. So that's really not what we're going for, is it? So, you know, I kind of backed off that, but... But it allowed me to think of like, okay, what's the moral, uh, what, what's the moral way that we should govern speech? Well, that's what we're talking about here, right? We're saying, okay. And so, so here's what I came down to. Well, thought police are no good. Right? Thought police are no good. We don't want people saying, you got to think this way. Okay. Now, how do we know how you think? Well, it's how you speak, but... So really, there's no such thing as thought police. There's speech police. Right? It's only thought police in, you know, I don't know what it's called, like in, uh, uh, <laughs> interpreted that way, I suppose. I don't know. But my thought was, okay, well, we don't like that. Okay, so how do we make a generalized rule that always applies that is inviolable? Is that inviolable that you can't violate um, I think here's what you do I think you have to draw a boundary around the boundary of the organization and say okay I'm a regulator from the government and I'm in, in charge of X, Y, or Z okay great so the regulator comes and they says you're an insurance company for good or for worse, you know, we have these rules about uh, discrimination. So we're not going to allow you to discriminate against X, Y, or Z, you know, company or whatever. Okay. Fine. Okay. So then, okay, I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. You know, I don't like government anyway, but that seems all right. So and then, um, well, then, so what do you do? Okay, so this is how I thought it worked. I, it, this is what I thought. You're, do, you're going along, you're making your decisions about, you know, I'm going to insure this company and not that company and whatever. And then somebody comes to the regulator and they say, look, um, by your guidelines, I should have been allowed to be insured, you know, at, at maximum this price according to your guidelines. And yet they said no. So, Mr. Regulator, you know, obviously there is a problem here. So, what are you going to do? And then the regulator comes and says, what's up with this? This is not according to the guidelines. You have behaved, you have exhibited external behavior to, you know, external to your organization that is incorrect with what I'm in charge of. 
So get with it, buddy, and stick to the, you know, stick within these guidelines. This is a boundary of behavior. You can't do anything outside this boundary. Okay. Now that's how I thought it worked. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. That's not how it works. And this really annoyed me. Um, because it felt so wrong. Uh, generally speaking, is that how you would say it? Like, it's not a generalized solution. It's, it's, you know, um, doesn't stick to any kind of, uh, principle. Okay. Principle. Okay. So here's what I thought. Okay. Well, I got this insurance company. We're doing our thing. And what we're doing is we're, we have data, you know, of, of whatever, and we're going to make a model. We're going to make a model, uh, an, uh, an actuarial model, a deep learning model. It doesn't matter. We're going to make a model that will say, okay, Mr. Company, you tell me all about yourself and I will give you a price at which I will insure you. Or I will say, I'm not going to insure you period. And, um, period like, that's it. Okay. We're going to make our own internal model that we have generated using the data that we have. All right. And if we find that that model violates some guidelines set forth, well, we either have to go to, you know, the regulators with other companies and be like, excuse me, these guidelines are incorrect. And this is like not possible or something. Or um, we got to, you know, fix our model because we want to automate this shit. Okay, that's how I thought it worked. Well, the way it works is that you make a model as you know an actuary or a BI group or whatever, and then you take the model to the regulators and you say, "Is this okay?" And now that you know that'd be fine, except that the regulators um have a very specific way of um, evaluating the model. And that is, they have to understand it. Oh, (laughs) you got to understand the model. You can't just, as in, there's two ways to evaluate a model. You could throw a bunch of data at it and see what it tells you. Be like, yeah, that seems to stick within the guidelines. Good job. Or, you know, treat it as a black box. Or you can say, well, I have to build a model of this model so I understand exactly how it works. I have to grok it. And then I'll give you the stamp of approval. This is a major problem. Because uh, it limits the complexity and efficiency of the model that we can build. Because regulators, it's kind of rude to say, oh, regulators are dumb. But uh, everybody's dumb, okay? If you had to explain exactly why you thought every thought that you thought in order for somebody else to understand you, I mean... It takes forever. It's ridiculous. So my th- thinking is, okay, well, we need, 
if you want to have some kind of government structure, govern, governance structure, then um, that government that government's structure has to evaluate things uh, on the basis of how it behaves outside the organization. Okay, what what are the results? And then it has to say, well, that that doesn't conform. Or yeah, it seems to conform just fine. It, you have okay. Here's the principle. Here, here's the generalized principle. Whatever is internal to a person, as in their thoughts, whatever is internal to an organization, as in how the organization communicates with itself, what models it builds, what you know, what it thinks. The information internal to the boundary. You just have to let alone. Just let it go. Okay, this is the generalized principle. That's not under your jurisdiction. Anything that's outside, we can have a conversation about whether or not it's okay. That's how it it should work. The government structure, governance structure, has to respect... Um, the internal processes of the system that it's governing. That's that's the way that it should work. I don't even know how I got on this topic. What was I talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, something got on me, or something got me on too, talking about Oh, oh, blockchains, blah, blah, blah. What was I doing? You can't have an efficient governing structure that way if it has to understand everything that is understood inside of it. It's ridiculous. So we were stuck with like building like GLM models, generalized linear models. Well, in general. Bullshit. My suggestion was, okay, well, why don't we just build the best model we can and then back it off into something that makes sense to the regulators. <laughs> something they can swallow. You know, we'll just be like, okay, well, we got to give up this nuance. We have to give up this efficiency. We have to give up this, you know, um, better, best pricing. We're going to, people are going to fall through the cracks over here. We're going to charge those and what we'll do is, and this is what they do. Here's what they do. Instead of making the most efficient pricing they can, you might think, oh, well, they're just, if they could do that, they'll make the most efficient pricing they can to maximize their profits. Yeah, in the short run, sure. But what it really means in the long run, because this is what happens with, commo- everything goes to commodity pricing, you know, in a free market, I suppose, put it that way. Um, but in the long run, what happens is, oh, those savings, those efficiencies get passed on to the right companies that deserve those efficiencies. Right now, what they do is they have to socialize the extra cost of making an inefficient pricing model. They have to socialize it amongst all of their customers. So they say, oh, charge everybody an extra 10% or whatever, you know, it's kind of like that shit. And 
And so the regulators, by regulating the way they regulate, they actually increase the price for everyone. And well, generally, generally everyone. Some people are, some people get a benefit because we don't have a, a model uh, efficient enough to realize this guy is a risk because we can't use all the data at our disposal. We can't make a really complicated model. I know, I know, I know it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So these are the kinds of things that we have to deal with when dealing with idiot humans and idiot regulators and idiot lawyers, idiot. I mean, who, who made the system, right? Is the people that made this system are, is, is the, um, the generalized, um, uh, sorry, general, I'm, that's, I'm using that term all, in, all over the place. The people that made this system are the, uh, the computing structure uh, embodied in the legal and judicial system. Right? I mean, it, 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 I can't really say that exactly. The judicial system doesn't want to deal with all of, you know, everything that might come up. So the legislature has made it this way. And it's absolutely ridiculous. You have to have a principled way of being. And when it comes to governance, the principled way of being is to say, oh, well, I get to control what's on the outside. Okay, what affects other people in a negative way? I get to control it. But I don't get to control how you talk to yourself. I don't get to regulate your model from the inside. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to regulate it from the inside. I get to say, well, what, what are its effects? And th this is easier for the governing body. It's easier for them to do it this way. I, I don't know why they don't do it this way. Because they can treat everything as a black box and be like, okay, well, we have this data set. Um that we've generated that's, you know, got 150,000, you know, make it 100 billion, I don't care, uh, data points or, or, you know, fictitious companies or, you know, mixed in with real companies that have existed or whatever. We have this data set and you got to fall within these boundaries on this data set. You can't, you can't do this to anybody. You can't, you know, can't do this to more than 5% of the, you know, whatever. You, and just treat it as a black box. And then say, okay, run this through your model, Mr. Insurance Company. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This is not how the insurance company wants it to work either. Maybe I should make that clear. You know, I asked my boss about this because he was, you know, real... Mm -mm real good educated actuary. I was like, why the fuck did I do this? And he was like, well, let me tell you something, Jordan. <laughs> I loved that man. Okay. He was so good. Okay. I, I might make him, I might be doing a character, a caricature of him right now and making him kind of sound silly, but oh my God. 
He was the best boss I have ever had. That includes my, my boss right now, okay? So that, you know, if you're willing to say that, it means something. All right. But, um, but he's like, okay, let me tell you something. I, you know, in college or after college or, you know, whatever, I don't know. I was, you know, uh, um, working for these big companies and went to UCLA. Like this guy was smart. Uh, I was working for these big companies and, you know, they sent me over to, um, what was it called? Yeah, you know, like uh, Europe. They sent me over to Europe where they have much less regulatory control or whatever of their insurance company. And he said, um, I tell you, man, it was a lot harder. Something like that. I don't know what it was. He was saying, he was basically saying, <laughs> you know what he was saying. He didn't, he didn't put it this way, but this is what he was saying. Oh, we reached commodity prices over there. So we had to like, we were on thin ice. We had to, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm remembering it incorrectly. I don't know. Uh, let me, let me just, let me just quiet down for a second and try to remember the conversation. Well, okay. I don't remember exactly what he said. Unfortunately, I wish I did. Um, but what he was saying was that it's better for the company, the insurance company, to uh, have the regulation that we have over here because there is not as much competition for the insurance company. That's the point he was trying to make. It was more difficult to do insurance over there because there was competition. You had to be, you had to make, uh... now what, what he, one point that he may have been trying to make, as I'm recalling this, is that he was might have been saying something like you really had to gauge the risk more carefully and kind of more gouge the ones that were more risky uh, because you had to make that money, right? Like, I think he was maybe saying something like that. But, you know, and so I was like, I threw my hands up. I was like, okay. All right, fine. All right. I still disagree that... I still think that the way we do things is not principled. It's not principled. Okay, we... There's a very simple principle. You do not control other people's brains. Okay, you don't control an organization's models. You don't control the information inside the boundary is not principled to do that. But you can control the behavior outside the boundary. If, if you think that, 
you know, we should have a government, we should, you know, it should be in control of a bunch of shit. Okay. You know, I'm not full-on anarchist anymore. I can I can get with it. But what I did glean from my brief foray, foray, foray into anarchism was that um, we're not principled and uh, it would be better if we were. You know, if we're going to have a government, we need to have principles upon which... It operates and they have to be generalized and they have to be uh, you can't violate them because they're so freaking obvious and easy and simple well anyway all right I don't have any more time today I gotta get back to work work all night so this has been a good talk. You know, I like to go through these things. And I, I hope I don't ever sound like a broken record. Because I'll revisit ideas again and again in different lights. Different contexts. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I gotta go.